Hey everyone, what's up? You are listening to the Shield Bearers podcast, and this is Rob T. I'm normally your co-host, uh, but at this moment right now, uh, Daniel Haggerty is not here in studio with us. Uh, but we are continuing on with this portion of the podcast, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We have a special guest with us today um, that's going to talk about uh, a little bit about his story and um, just his. Uh, you know his story with him and not just with him but also with him and his wife he's got an awesome testimony and he's an awesome uh in my opinion awesome example to other men out there especially men of god and uh so we invited him onto the show um so without any further ado from the band relent he is the lead singer um and he's also uh, one of the main writers of the music and uh, he's a great guy and he's also a great friend of ours uh so without any further ado I want to introduce everybody to Miggy. What's up, Miggy? What's up, dog? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, bro. How you doing, man? Good, good. I'm glad to have you here, my brother. And uh, I, I'm sorry that Daniel couldn't be here today, um, but business called at his job, so he uh, had to he had to step in for that. For sure. Yeah. So do me a favor, real quick, before we start. Make sure that mic, uh, the face of it, is on you. Remember that little circle on the blue part? Make sure that's facing you. Yeah. See, it's turn it the other way. <laughs> Turn the mic. There you go. Oh, gotcha. There we go. Like use, that? Use those to sing, right? Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot okay. better. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so anyway, um, we gave you a little brief synopsis last time when we were kind of juggling the idea of this yeah. podcast around. So Daniel's whole vision on this podcast is to reach other men out there. Yeah. Um, and being Christ followers, there's there's a lot of uh, it's based in in faith, of course. For sure. But we're also trying to reach everybody, every man that's out there. You don't have to necessarily be a man of quote unquote faith, yeah. uh, at least in Christ. But uh, like Daniel always says, you got to have faith in something, you know. Yeah. So we're trying to reach everybody, and he uh, he thought you would be a great uh, person to come on the show and kind of talk about your story where you've come from and mm. all the stuff that you've kind of been through. So why don't we start there? Okay, oh, yeah. um, starting from the stuff that you've gone through, I, of course, personally know your story pretty well, um, but we've got listeners, you got a whole group of listeners, man, that haven't heard haven't heard you before. Right. So uh, let's start from the beginning, man. So where did this journey for you start? Um, my parents decided to have a kid. <laughs> so we got to go that far back, right? <laughs> that's where it started, man. Was it an accident? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> According to my mom, no, but my dad, yes. No, I'm just kidding, man. Um... Nah, man. I mean, I, uh, I, I, born and born and raised in Texas. Uh, I was born in San Antonio, raised in Austin, um, and then moved back to San Antonio as a teenager. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my childhood was 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 pretty normal for the most part. I mean, there was obviously issues, you know, growing up in our household that uh, you you don't you realize there are issues as a kid. It's just I guess as a kid you don't know what to do about them, so you just right. kind of bypass them. Right. Um, you know, there was things, you know, but there, that's in every household. I don't think of there's, course. I'm not saying that perfect households don't exist. They only they do, but, right. you know, every household has something. So our, ours definitely had some stuff. Um, you know, my parents had kids really young. Uh, my dad was 17 when I was born. I think. Oh, wow. That is young. And, um, you know, it, so it's just kind of, it's one of those things that's like, you know, it's just, they're all fruit issues, you know, of, of decisions that were made. You know, but I had a pretty, pretty normal childhood, man. I was a very active kid. Uh, really, really good kid. Um, um, my childhood, you know, I was, I was, 
very involved in sports, very involved in, you know, the typical kid things. I loved wrestling. I loved mm-hmm. playing outside, getting dirty. Like, I just, I was just the, the your all-American Hispanic kid. Like, right, right. It, it's just, I just did those things, man. And we had a, we had a really good, uh, f- strong foundation uh, of family growing up. Um, uh, as far as, like, you know, my grandparents and aunts and uncles. We had tons, and it was awesome, man. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I grew up pretty normal. Um, I wasn't a church kid. We didn't go to church. That wasn't, you know, we, we tapped in once in a while. I think they, they called us creasters because, like, on Easter and Christmas we show up. <laughs> creasters. Yeah, like, the, the, and that's the only time you would really catch us in church. Right. Um, now that I'm older, I, I look back at it, and I'm like, I mean, church was kind of like a – I felt like when things were getting rowdy at the house, like that's when you go back to. Church. It was like, oh, we need to go to church. Yeah, you know, it was, was it like, Catholic or was it just? Um, no, it, uh, I remember. I remember going to Christian churches. There was Catholic okay. churches because I know predominantly my mom's side was was Catholic. Um, so there was Catholic churches we we, we visited. Right. Um, you know, but I never was a fan. You know, it just, yeah. <laughs> and not that you have to be a fan of church, like that's a thing. But right. it just for me as a kid, it never it was never turned on to anything like. Godly, it was right. just like it was just a place we went to, and apparently this dude's in charge of like the whole world or something. You know, that's all you know as a <laughs> yeah. kid. Yeah, and so, um, you know, that's kind of like our our church background. We didn't we didn't have a lot of it. Um, looking back on it now, I see um, areas in my life where my parents tried, or my dad specifically tried. He tried yeah. real hard um, to to make. God a part of our lives right um but I think he had a lot of struggles in his life that he hadn't dealt with that ultimately overcame him you know yeah. so at the age again pretty pretty normal childhood um I really had nothing to complain about we were poor mm-hmm. you know there was nothing it's not like we had everything we were we were really poor again right. my parents were really young when we had kids so obviously we're welfare kids they had right. four kids wow. you know I'm the oldest of four um and I have a half brother from my, my dad's uh, second marriage we'll, we'll get into all that but yeah um how old uh, were you when your dad finally like like left? So, yeah. So I was I was going into that. So we, I mean, typical childhood. We were poor, grew up poor. I, I'm struck, grew up in the hood, you know. But again, it was just it's, that was normal to me. There was nothing um, really abnormal about my life. Um, my parents divorced. I think I was I was 15, going going to be okay. 16, and um, it got real ugly, man. And, and growing up, my parents argued. Obviously, a lot, and right. and that's something I guess. Again, looking back, because you know we'll start talking about my life and my wife, and we were like splitting images of our parents. So we both come from broken homes, and mm-hmm. we both come from divorced families, and, and and it's just like, you know. So growing up, my parents obviously things like arguing and and, and I would even say abuse to an extent. You know, right. we're very we're very, um, you know. Uh, alive in our household um and again as a kid you're just like okay i guess that's i know it's wrong but there's nothing i can do about it so right, i just right. I don't go play my ninja turtles or something whatever <laughs> you know so um um yeah so i, I cause, yeah i was 15 16 my dad my dad my parents finally split uh divorced um, my dad had an affair that mm-hmm. uh took him away um and then ultimately you know he ended up diving into to some really hard drugs that that kept him right even further you know and it ultimately i think it, it kept me further as well let and, me pause you right there cause, yeah because as you were talking about that it brought back to remember the past two episodes uh daniel brought this up a lot about how growing up you know we were told certain things as boys you yeah. know 
and and I'm just kind of curious if you grew up with the same thing, you know, where it was like, for example, boys don't cry, and you yeah. know, and men, this is how men are, and you know, Daniel told a story about his grandfather, how mm-hmm. his grandfather would go out and. If Daniel came crying to his grandfather about being picked on, he would, uh, you know, tell him, well, go and handle your business, basically. Yeah. Or he would tell all the kids, nobody can come in. Y'all can't come into dinner if they're like messing around with each other and fighting. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He says, all right, well, y'all can't come in until one of y'all's bleeding. Like, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. how his upbringing was. Did you have anything like that growing up with your dad? Um. Yes. Yes and no. So my, my dad, again, for the most part, he was my hero. Right. right? Up until the divorce. It was really where it got ugly. There was moments in my in my in my life with my father that I knew he was being over aggressive. There was mm. moments in my life where I knew he was being unfair in his discipline. There was moments in my life where, um, you know, there were where his anger would, would obviously take him to a place where I know he, I see as a father now he didn't want to go right. But when you have no control or no, oh, you can go deeper. We have no healing over certain areas of your life. Right, right. you almost can't control it. Yeah. So, um. But again, to me, my dad was, was he was the, the toughest guy I knew. You know, my dad is, uh, he's like the, the, uh, the, the, the perfect picture of like, of what a tough SOB should look like. I guess right, that's right, like, right. you know, he, he's, he's a stocky dude, you know, and he, I, I remember distinctly growing up, he was always in the gym, always lifting weights. Oh, wow. Um, tatted up, you know, so he just had the persona of someone that is, if, if something goes down, Yo, he's ready. Um, you know, and so and so, I, and he was my guardian. Like I, I, I believed it one hundred and ten percent that if anything went down, he would he got my back. Right. And and so again, he was my hero. So yeah, I mean, there there was times in our and where I look at my dad's upbringing, um, and and my dad comes from a really abusive, 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 toxic, 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 both sexually, physically, uh, mentally, wow. um, emotionally, spiritually abusive father right so to see how hard my dad tried to not let that carry over right obviously failed in certain areas um i, I respect it as an adult so uh, growing up my dad was very much he, he tried to make me as tough as, as possible right all while still being loving my dad's actually really um affectionate that's awesome yeah he's really he's that he's he's really hands-on right like very much like i never i never went i never didn't think that my dad didn't love me that's awesome. Which made the divorce even worse because yeah. it was kind of like, I know you love me. Yeah. Yet you're not here. Right. And you're gone. Right. And this carried on for uh, eight years. You know that wow. I, I really didn't have him in my life, and, and so yeah, there was definitely times where where he made me tough. You know, I remember specifically this one situation where I had a cousin over for the summer. And me and my cousin, you, you and you have cousins that are, you're like the same age. You're yeah. very competitive with each other. Yeah. Well, I was the real sensitive kid that like I didn't like to lose. Right. And when I felt someone was being unfair, I'd cry over that stuff. Because right. I was like, yo, that's not cool. You don't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I was just that kid. I was very sensitive, very passionate kid. Right. And um, I remember my dad like taking us in. I'm, I'm you know, obviously snitching my cousin out. And he's, def- <laughs> he's lying and defending himself. Yeah. And my dad's like, yo, when we were kids... We used to go to the backyard and just settle it. Yeah, you know. And I remember going to the backyard and like <laughs> we, we settled it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was and it was so it, and it's just one of those things. I personally, I, I don't know if I do that with my son. I have a son now, right? And have a daughter, and I don't know if I do that, but I think there's there's definitely an extent of preparation and 
thickness that I, I'd want him to bear right, right. as a young man and more importantly as a man um, to be able to defend himself in, in oh, yeah, situations sure. like that. So yeah, I, I see uh, you know where, where, with Daniel's situation where that's coming <laughs> from, but yeah, definitely there were some there was some of that you know hey okay. man you gotta you gotta suck it up and, yeah yeah. You know, yeah, there was definitely okay, some of cool. that. I just, I just had to ask that question because, like, like I said, that was very, that was something Daniel brought up two weeks in a row, and it, and it was something that was very, uh, we we shared that in that, you know, because yeah. I, I mine of course wasn't the extent of his, but I remember like you know my uncles and my grandfather telling me you know those hombres no lloran, you know men yeah. don't cry and and that kind of stuff, which is a lie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and that's like probably the most toxic thing you could ever tell him. Exactly. Because then he spends the rest of his life right thinking that that's the standard right beats himself up every time he does feel like crying because right. you're gonna feel like that right exactly when you get married you have kids like life happens you're yeah. gonna feel that way exactly um so yeah and, and, and that ended up being i think my dad's situation because my dad's dad was very much like that to right. an extent so right. small yeah. background it's what funny we're talking about this now i was with my my pops last night we we're hanging out oh cool and uh having a beer and just kind of talking, man. And, and he and when we're talking, my dad gets into these real confession sessions. And I, I love it because it's like I get to learn something about my dad that I didn't know. Right. So last night he was telling me, and I knew a little bit about this, but I didn't, I didn't know details. So my, my his father is um, world, world known. Really? My grandfather. Uh, he's a hitman. He's a contract killer. Wow. Who... Um, Who's just if I say his name, I don't even say his name because if I say his name, it just stirs stuff up. Right, so, right. so my dad's confessing all this stuff last night, and he was just like, you know, um, your grandpa Joe. When you, um, he kept saying my dad, but my grandpa Joe, that's his name, Joe, um, was very, very much um, that type of man to where, man, you look me in your eye, in my mm -hmm. eye when I'm talking to you. You don't look away. Mm -hmm. You yes sir, no sir. Right. And there and there's something which is crazy is that. There's some good things in those conversations, right. but ultimately the approach that my grandfather took, um, my grandpa was very, very hands-on abusive right. to my dad and to his siblings. Um, he's he's a killer, so so in his mind, he has to be ten steps ahead of everything, right, right, including um, raising his kids, and I think wow. that's where he missed the mark. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, and then we can get into like just demonic influence stuff like that because um you know at the end of our conversation last night we came to the conclusion that my grandfather was hugely demonic influenced um you know uh hugely demonically influenced excuse me yeah um and all that he did but he, he he was just he was just he was a guy you just didn't you didn't f around with him yeah. you know yeah. and my dad told me stories of like my dad's seen him, you know, off people. And it was, it was so, so, so I hear these stories, right? And that's trauma right yeah, there. Yeah, it's trauma there. So I hear these stories. And now I look at my dad, 17 years old, right, trying to raise a kid. Obviously, he's never done it. And the only time, the only example he has is the worst example in the world. You know, and it's just like, how do you confess these things? You know, so it's just like one of those, it's just, it was a very, very, very rough subject. So wow. fast forward to, my dad's divorce, mm -hmm. uh, my parents' divorce. Um, my dad, who who was my hero, has an affair, leaves. Um, I grew so much hate for my dad in those short, like weeks post divorce because I was hurt. Obviously, because like, he left. Because he left. Yeah. Um, to my mom, who I love dearly, um, is was was very toxic in that in that 
point in time in my life as well um, was feeding me things about my dad that were furthering right. my feelings towards my father. Um, and then ultimately, you're you're 15 years old. You're, you you have your own thoughts already, you know. Right. So all these things, and I'm going through puberty. Like I'm going through these things that are like very important in becoming a man. And it all just be, it all just came to a halt. And so um, post divorce, I think we we didn't talk for about I think it was about eight years. Okay. Um, no, six years. Because I, like, I know it's my son was born in 2008. Uh-huh. When my son was born, that's when I had this real conviction of like, man, I really want my, I want to find my dad so I can, so he can, he can meet his grandson, you know, because right. having my son changed my perspective. Um, it almost brought a, a fresh perspective and a fresh um, amount of like grace towards yeah. my dad. I remember holding my son and being like, what the hell do I do with this? You know, oh, like, wow. like, you know, and so immediately you're, you're now you're now convicted of like, how did he feel when I came out? Right. 17 years old. Right. Abusive father. Right. Piece of crap. Wanted by the world. Like, how how was my dad supposed to pursue those things? Right. And see, it's it's just crazy how the table turned. Yeah, for sure. And immediately I I began to have grace for my father. And I'm not saved at this time. So I don't know what these things are, but looking back on it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking Looking back at it, I'm like, yo, that was... I had grace in that yeah. moment for my dad. So I remember having this thought and talking to my wife, like, yo, I, I want to find my dad. And she's like, why? Like, you hate him. He just, you've gone this far without him. I was like, no, like, I just feel like I want him to meet his grandson. Right. And so, and my son's like, he's beautiful, man. He, it, 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 it's, it's, it changed my world when he was born. And so, um, so yeah, so I ended up finding my dad. And, you know, we can go on from there. I don't know if you want to go deep in that, but that's pretty much my well, story, I mean, my upbringing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I get the whole divorce thing because now all of a sudden you're 15 years old and your male role model, right? Yeah. Your father figure is now mm-hmm. out of the picture in your uh, formative years. Yeah. Because now you're a teenager. Now you're yeah. really trying to understand what being a man Absolutely. really is. Yep. And he's not there. Word. So, I mean, I'm sure that in <laughs> itself was... And, and, and on top of all that, you're pissed off. Because yeah. he left you, so you have daddy issues, basically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, how did you navigate through the rest of your teen years to 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 be able to manage that? So, two things happen: either you find someone else to remodel or right. to model after, right? Or you just do your own thing, right? And I did my own thing. Okay. And so, um, uh, I I ended up having a hate because fast forward. So, I mean, rewind a little bit. Uh, so, my dad leaves. The conflict between my mom and myself becomes really thick, right? And so I start, I start, I start um, rejecting her, mm. and she knows this, right? And so I, to the point to where I'm that kid, like you just don't want to be around. Like right. I come in the house, come home from school, whatever, and I'm the environment just changes, right? Right. Because I'm just, I'm pissed, I'm raged, right? I don't give a shit about who I hurt, right? About any of those things. Right. I was just that hurt from yeah. from the divorce. She's had enough, right? You know, so I'm out. So she's like, "You're you're out." You know, yeah. I don't even remember exactly how the situation was, but I remember uh, at the time I was uh, my girlfriend in high school. Mm-hmm. Her parents were kind of aware of what happened. Um, felt heartfelt for what you know how everything turned out. Right. Opened up their house. Ended up living with my girlfriend and her parents, which is totally not not healthy. <laughs> yeah. But um, but um, um. Where was I going? But yeah, so I so I ended up, you know, 
in, in, in trying to find a role model, I was like, screw role models. You got it, basically. I, I, I'm on my own. Yeah. I'm on my own. Yeah. Um, but How old was, were you when you when you left? 16. Wow, that's 16, young, 16, uh, yeah, 16 years old because my parents got divorced. I, was, I believe I was 16. Um, yes, it was 16 because my, my freshman year, I remember my dad being there. He took me to school the first day. Um, I remember be, him being there. I was a, I was a cool kid, man. Like I, I, I uh, straight A student. Right. I mean, I was a avid musician. You know, my right. dad's a musician, so I, I, I'm, I'm a musician. I, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA to, to, yeah. to be musical. Um, I was very, very um, high ranked in my musical skills. I was the only freshman to like make the drum line, and right. you know, I was just very like I had a lot of um, credibility towards music. And right. so, my, I remember my freshman year, he was there to see all that. Right. Um, so sophomore year, I turned 15, going on 16, and that's when the divorce happened. Right. And again, 15 through 18 were just like. So academically, did everything go downhill? Yeah. Well, yes and no. So it's kind of, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So me moving in with with, with my with my girlfriend at the time um, in high school, and her parents were very. She was an only child. Mm-hmm. Her parents were very like. Right. No, this is you need to like no keep your head in the books that right, and, right. and and to this day like I, you know we had a, we had our beef whatever your kids and you're gonna yeah, have whatever so I don't hold any of that against her her parents but to this day I'm so grateful for them right um for pushing me to um simply just being there and and, and not not knowing at the time that it was pushing me to keep my head straight you know for the most part you right. know um I you know as we'll get into there was things that I got into in high school that. I know if my dad was around, I wouldn't have got into that. Right, right. But because I knew I had the freedom of like yeah. not having parentals. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I became very rebellious. I started drinking and smoking very early. Right. Started having sex very, very early. Right. Um, and ultimately, those things, which I thought were intended to make me feel better, yeah. Ultimately, in the long run, caught up with me because they weren't nothing the butt, and mm-hmm. and you know, I ended up paying a big price for those things. Right. Um. But yeah, so I, as far as role models go, man, I, I didn't. I was just kind of like, I'm gonna do my thing, um, and I, I was really, I, I kind of shifted my focus. It was like I got, I became really focused. Not so much in in education for me. High school was like really, it was easy. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, just show up, take these dang tests. They're not hard, right? You know, and and just. Just do it, yeah. you know. And if I pass with a C, I pass. I don't right. even care. Right. And for the most part, you, you saw the diminishing in my grades. I was barely passing. Yeah. Come senior year, I was like, yeah, I was like practically not going to graduate because right. I was just like, oh, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, my my focus shifted to where it was like all my pain, all my hurt, all my all all of that. I shifted towards music. And um, I was a very athletic kid, so I, when I got to high school, I had to choose between sports and music. Mm-hmm. So post my dad leaving, I noticed all of my energy and focus went to music, and so I got really good at being a musician. Right, right. And so I was, and I was known for that. And you could right. ask anybody that went to high school with me, what is Mickey known for? Oh, dude, he was a wild drummer. Right. And I, I'm not tuning my horn. Like this is this is what people that told me. He was he was just. He was on another level, like, yeah. it, and people just knew that about me. Like when it came to music, I took it so seriously, and, and I was passionate about it. Not knowing, again, looking at my life now, like as a full time musician, that right. that was setting me up for like, you know, success. So glory to God for all that. But um, yeah, so I, I didn't have a role model. Um, there was people that entered my life that kind of, you know, yeah. here and there pieced some things together for me, yeah. but it wasn't anything that I was solidified to. 
or anything like that. It was honestly probably the most difficult time of my life not knowing how to become a man, you right. know. And so and obviously in those things you're gonna make really dumb decisions. Yeah. And I did. I made a lot of dumb decisions that some of them I should you know, I should be in jail for. Or, right. But you know, it is what it is and so it's just like, yeah, it, that was pretty much what happened in, in, in my high school years. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy and praise God you're still here. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, yeah, because again, uh you talking about emotional trauma. Yeah. Emotional damage. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, uh, my first suicide attempt was 11 years old. So wow. if we rewind a little bit before, I remember my parents' fights getting so, so bad right. that at 11, you know a lot, you know a lot more at 11 than you do at yeah. six. Yeah, you know, yeah, so sure. I remember seeing these fights and being like feeling this overwhelming feeling like it's my fault. So a lot of times they would get in, they would get into fights over over me, right, or over you know my sisters, or whatever. And so me being the oldest, I felt like I have to be the one that has, right. I gotta have my shit together. Right, like I can't be the one that lets this fall apart. Right, and and so uh, I remember specifically one night, um, you know, I, I, at this age I already had kind of started identifying that my dad's anger was channeled towards me yeah. more than it was my sister's. Yeah. Um, anytime he'd come home frustrated, it was aimed at me, you know? Right. And, and so I, I felt like the punching bag for a lot of my years growing up and yeah. I don't hold any of that against him. Again, I, I forgive him all that, but I'm, I remember specifically this one night, 11 years old, 12 years old, maybe, uh, they're fighting and it's, it's getting crazy and he's talking about leaving. She's talking about leaving. And my mom, said some things that were like really hurtful towards me and so I went to my closet and I hung myself oh wow um, you actually went through that I actually, and I didn't know how to it's not like you know how to do these things right. I literally just wrapped a belt around my neck tied that belt to the, the pole in the closet that hangs your clothes right. and I pulled as hard as I could uh-huh. till, I, till I felt like I couldn't breathe anymore um, and then unbeknownst to me the freaking pole breaks right. like the, you know it comes off the wall right. um, my mom walks in she's like what the hell are you doing and Come, you know, and, and there's another story with that, but um, that was my first suicide attempt. So wow. post my dad leaving, suicide and depression became obviously like it was weird. But it was what's great. The crazier part is that I was the kid that hit it so much because I was so um, successful in, in music and in, in sports and, and and things like that. I was homecoming king. I was I was that guy. You would right. have never thought this guy was suicidal, and right. I was. Wow. Major suicide attempts in high school, like major ones. I remember showing up with my wrist slit yeah. to school wow. and trying to hide it, and there's blood just coming down my jacket. And I had a dear friend in high school that that she grabbed me, took me to the band hall, and was like, "What are you doing?" And I was yeah. just weeping. I would go through these, you know, these these episodes of like, you know, you you fake it for so long, eventually it pops, right? right and so right. I would fake it for years, and then it pops and then sweep it under the rug and fake you for a couple more years and have another episode. Right. And so that was my life. And, um, but yeah, man, it was, it was wild. Wow. So yeah. you, so during those times you really had no one that you could go to or confide in about anything that you were going through. Right. I, I did it, man. And that's the scary part is you kind of, you, um, that's a loaded gun at that point. Yeah. And, and not talking about suits. I'm saying in metaphorically, right. Um, it can go off at any time. Right. And if it's not handled right, um, so yeah, no, no real role model to look to. Um, my, my mom ended up remarrying. Uh, she dated, I think another guy, I forget, Yeah. but those guys were never really like influences in my life. We didn't right, get along. Right, right. And again, not that I was the easiest kid to get along with either. Cause <laughs> I was very rebellious at this point and right, I was right. really doing whatever the hell I wanted to do. Gotcha. So, um, 
you know, but it was just, it was rough. It was a really rough teenage years. From- wow, man, that's yeah. that's crazy. So some of that stuff I didn't know. So we're getting we're getting deep here. Oh, there's some deep stuff, man. I'll I'll, I'll go deeper. <laughs> we got the time, man. I don't mind, man. At the end of the day, I'm really like, you can't make this stuff up, and it is just one of those things. I, I realize the more vocal I am about it, and and you know, and hoping that someone who has struggled the same or right. Maybe doesn't realize that yo guys can go through that. Yeah, that's cool to cry. Like man, I can't even tell you how many times I cried right. as a man. Right. I can't tell you how many times that I've wanted to give up. How many times I have given up. Right. You know, and and looking at it now it doesn't make me less of a man. It just makes oh, of me course not. makes me human. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if anything. So yeah, exactly. that's why I'm not afraid to go deep. Whatever. Exactly. That's awesome. So you were talking about your high school girlfriend. Is that who your wife is now? No, 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 that's no. Somebody different. Yeah, someone totally different. And you know, she grew up to be really successful. I think she's a nurse now or something like that. And so. You know, hats off to her and cool. her parents for, you know, doing cool. what they did. And so, yeah. Cool. So, okay, so now you've graduated high school. Yeah. You, you've been on your own since you were 16 mm-hmm. or 15, whatever it was you said. Um, now you graduate high school. So what was your, like, what was your next step? Like, what was your next goal? Did you even think about a goal? Or was it just like, oh, I'm just going to keep partying and doing what I do? Or Yeah, I think partying kind of took, for the most part, took over. Um there was a couple close calls, so I had I remember having a close military call. I had a friend that right after we graduated high school, I was working at Jack in the Box. That was my first job, and um, the friend I had met. Yo, the tacos he, are legit though, bro. Oh man, bro, <laughs> not to you know what's in them. Oh. Um, <laughs> Don't tell me. Yeah, tell me. but um, I had a friend, uh, Victor, called him Shorty. He was like six four, six five, <laughs> and we called him Shorty, and he was a really good friend of me, man, and. Um, he, uh, he ended up enlisting in the, in the Marines. He's, oh, wow. he's a retired Marine now, but I remember him sitting me down. I was like, bro, like, you ain't doing nothing with your life, dog. Yeah. <laughs> You're a shift leader at Jack in the Box. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like, man, you ever think about joining the military? Like, man, because at that time, they were doing the buddy system right when I got out of high school. Yeah. So you go with the buddy wherever y'all go, y'all whether it's to war, wherever, you're going together. Right. And so um, I was like, you know what, man? I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> so I started going to PT training, started to train, and then ultimately, obviously, I didn't go through with it. Yeah. I kind of chickened it out the last minute because I just realized like it just wasn't for me, right. you know. And I was like, man, I, and that and that was so cool about me, um, and being everything I was. Like I was not a fake guy. Yeah. If it wasn't for me, I'm gonna tell you it wasn't for me. Yeah. yeah. It was like this is it for me, bro. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, just stayed home. Uh, music has always been my my go to. My it's always been in my pocket. Right to do so um post high school man i was just like oh here we go and like for me it's it's like the seatbelt came off you know i think high school really kind of helped me stay somewhat solidified to to normal (laughs) to normalism and um you know i did really well in high school i graduated i had a full scholarship to texas state university uh, on a music on a music scholarship oh, wow. um and again it's just kind of weird because it's like you just, the the patterns are like okay you went through this went through this yeah yeah you were semi pretty successful like i said i mean homecoming king right um success i had so many awards in the band i had i was just that i was just that student it was weird right. and got a scholarship scholarship offer to to college um it was just crazy so ended up turning down the offer i was like i'm not going to college right screw school uh, and I started touring as a musician. I started being in bands and just kind of like taking that seriously. You right. know, I'd always did it. I, I think I started my first band when I was 16 years old. 
um, you know, it was just fun stuff. Yeah. And then once I got out of high school, I was like, okay, I really want to do this. Right. And so I just focused on that, man. I would just work dead-end jobs and write music and jam yeah. with my friends all day. And ultimately, you know, led me to the party life. Yeah. Led me to a lot of things, you know, that I encountered, yeah. sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole shebang. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much what my life existed or what it, what it, what it looked like for the most part up until I got saved. So, and did you get saved first or did you meet your wife first? I met my wife first. So I met my wife through the partying. Okay. So, well, hold on. Yeah. So we're going to get to that next part, but first we're going to take a break. Yeah. And yeah. Then when yeah. we come back, we're going to get into how you met your wife yeah. and then how you, you know, from there, both of y'all ended up getting saved and, you know, so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, Hold right there. Enjoy the M&M's. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor with more with Miggy. All right. So hold it right there. Going on 10 years in the community, Metroflex Gym has been the place for back to basics, no fluff training. At Metroflex, you'll have the resources available to you to reach your fitness goals, whatever they may be. Owner Daniel Haggerty is available and ready to help guide you in the proper direction to get the best results for your health. Want to lose weight? increase stamina or gain mass daniel haggerty is a licensed trainer with over 25 years experience in nutrition and training and knows how to get the most out of your workouts come by today for a visit at 2101 clovis barker road san marcus texas or call to make an appointment for a tour at 512-878-8575 homegrown in the community and veteran owned metroflex gym is the hardcore training place for a hardcore workout call today gentlemen well mainly gentlemen right because most of our audience has been male but there there's ladies listening we're glad you're listening but we are back uh we've been talking with miggy from the band relent he's been giving us his story uh and we got all the way through high school in the first segment and now we're gonna get into the to the juicier stuff because now we're talking about when you met your wife and your married life and how you finally came to, to to christ and all the things that change. So, yeah. so why don't we go like for, let's start with how you met your wife first. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I was, uh, 18, 19 years old. I was 19 when I met her. Yeah. Or 18, something like that. Yeah. Um, again, I'm very active in the local scene. Yeah. You know, playing in bands and stuff. And so that's kind of how we met. We knew the same kind of music. Were you playing like Tejano? <laughs> I wish I was that we'd probably be talking about a whole other conversation if I was in Donovan. But uh, no, I was I was in a lot of metal, metal hardcore bands growing up, right? Um, and just man, just kind of having the times in my life with my best friends as a kid, you know. So yeah, uh, that's how I met my wife. Uh, we uh, she was friends with she was real good friends with my singer at the time. Okay, um, that I was in a band for hardcore band, and um, we. Um, Ended up meeting at a show, I think it was. Okay. She came to one of our shows. That's where I met her. And it kind of just clicked off from there. Um, she was well known in the scene as kind of like the the party girl. Party mm-hmm. girl. Had all the cool parties. Kind of like everyone knew that, you know, when you went to her house. It was, right. It's going down. Right. But um, so that's, that's how we met, man. We met just partying. Um, at this time, I'm very much into a... Uh, 
a weird place in my life where I, uh, I began to see women um, as their only use was for sex. Oh, I see. So I was kind of like hopping around, pretty much a homeless 18-year-old living on friends in friends' couches or, you know, girls that I slept with that would let me sleep at their house. Right. Um, that's, that was kind of my pattern. And so that's really, um, if I'm being honest, kind of how my wife and I met. Um, we were just partiers, man. And we, we, we I ended up partying at her house and was in need of somewhere to crash. Right. And uh, she kind of did not let me crash there, but I had no choice. She tells a story that I, I think day two, I brought like my clothes and stuff, like all my clothes. And <laughs> I, I didn't have much, but she kind of, you know, I made it known that I was going to be here for a little bit. Right. right. So um, we were just partying, bro. That's really what happened. Uh, we knew each other for maybe two months. Wow. And she came out pregnant. Wow. And um, so now I'm 19, um, about to have a kid, Yeah. you know, and I'm just like, what do I, what? Did that scare you? Like oh, once, I, you, once you got the news that she was pregnant? Yeah. Literally, this is how, this is how I was a douche, man. I was such a douchebag. <laughs> I, uh. Not only did I convince her or convince, like, weasel my way to living there. Yeah. When she told me, my ba- I weaseled my way to have my band practice at her house. Oh, my God. So we're, like, in her living room, fully set up, <laughs> like, jamming out. And, like, her friend, her best friend at the time comes comes to the uh, to the room. She's kind of, like, you know, fingers me to, like, yeah. hey, come here. And I was like, and I just knew. Yeah. I knew it. Like, I just knew as soon as she did that. Because we weren't secretive people. Like, we were right, very right. blunt teenagers right. that just didn't give a rip about what you thought about us. Right. You know, and I knew. I was like, oh, snap. It's about to get real. Yeah. And sure enough, I walk into the She takes me to the room. Uh-huh. And my wife, LaVon, is sitting on the side of the bed. And she's, like, crying. Oh, man. And I'm like, oh, dude. She's, like, I'm pregnant. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, part of me was actually really happy, man. I, I will right. say, I remember very early on in my childhood... I knew I wanted to be a dad. Like, I could not wait for the day to be a dad. Right. Um, and so I just knew it was something that was just ingrained in my heart, man. I just knew, like, I, I want to be a father. Like, I want to have kids. Right. Um, obviously, how it, how it came about was, you know, completely left field. But, yeah, so we, uh, we went from partying to almost, like, overnight trying to figure out, like, what are we doing? Right. Like, you right. know, we're two months into a relationship that wasn't really a relationship right. we were it was kind of like just having fun we're having fun man yeah. we're having fun having sex and now we have a baby coming yeah you know and so um that puts it in perspective real quick <laughs> real quick man and again at, those are the times i was like okay yeah. who, who's the role model in my life that can right. help me to go through this right not a damn one to be found yeah and so here i am a 19 year old kid about to have a kid yeah and i'm like Dude, what do I do, man? And so, you know, you you do what you feel that you know is best. Right. And a lot of times, um, that's the scary part is that you end up mimicking what society is doing in that time. You right. know, and so um a lot of my circle of friends were A having abortions mm. or B just coming up with really toxic ways to raise kids. Right. <laughs> and when you have kids raising kids, it's just I mean, what can you expect, right? Right, right. Um, so I remember just going through this whole scenarios of like, man, I don't know what to do. Um, again, I'm working at Jack in the Box. Mm-hmm. My life is so devoted to being this musician and right. that's all I have to for my life. I have nothing. I have no house. I don't have a car. I don't have anything to that that would establish me ready, a ready parent. Right. And so I'm freaking out in the inside right. trying to keep it cool. 
um, obviously the partying continues. It, right. it honestly doesn't stop. You know, it, it's 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 our everyday thing now. It's just yeah. kind of it's a part of us. And so through that, I think we realize, um, you know, because something has to change. Like we're yeah, like months away from this this dude showing up. Yeah. And so I think we ended up moving in her mom's house, uh, and we're not married. Obviously, we're not married at this yeah. time. And moving in her mom's house and. Um, just tried to figure this thing out, and yeah. so we we spent the majority of um my so old well rewind a little bit. We had my son a year and a half, eighteen months later. She gets pregnant again with my daughter. Oh man! <laughs> wow! And at this time, we're our relationship was sour. Like right. we are just like. We hate each other. We can't stand each other. There was no foundation. Our foundation was partying, and that's it. Like, there was no... We had no biblical foundation. We had no... None of that. Right. So, when when, when, when stuff hit the fan... Um, we didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, we, we, we went into total chaos mode. And so we were just in a very toxic, abusive relationship. Wow. We hated each other. Her parent, her family hated me. I hated them. Wow. I hated my family because I, I didn't know yeah, where yeah. they were. I had no one to talk to. You know, at this point, the, the relationship, obviously, I hadn't talked to my dad. I hadn't. And so it's just like. It, it was I was just I was a lone wolf and and instead of um expressing that I needed help I just yeah. I stayed angry and that ultimately affected my relationship with with my wife and um but yeah so we went years um just living that way very toxic with each other um Wow. Always, you know, that I think the Hispanic culture thing is like you got to do it for the kids, right? Yeah, that's what I was you, about to say. Did y'all stay together just because of the fact that you had kids? Pretty much. Yeah. I will say, honestly, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And don't get me wrong, I did have feelings for her. I did love her. But in, in at this time, in my mind, I'm convinced this is never going to work. Right. We're both come from broken homes. Like, we don't right. know. We, like, we're, and again, I know nothing about God at this time. Right. But in my head, I, we're destined to get, we're destined to live what our parents went through. Right, right. So, might as well pull the trigger early. Right. Um, and that, honestly, that, that mentality really led me to do a lot of stupid things growing up. Um. I began to like kind of mirror what my father did and his struggles. Well, yeah, of course. And I began to, I was very angry, very, um, <laughs> very abusive towards Lavana. Um, not towards the kids, but very much I, I let out my rage on her. Right, right. Um, emotionally, verbally, I was very verbally abusive. I was that guy that was punching holes in the walls. Like, mm. I was I was lost, man. I was really, really lost. And, and I had nowhere to channel this anger. Um, and that carried on for years. So, um, we were on and off. Always, I was always sleeping around. Always getting busted. Right, sleeping with someone. Um, if I'm being real, even some of her best friends that, wow. that her best friend that that I really kind of like. I just, I was just, I was dumb. I was a really dumb, um, uneducated person when it came to live, being an adult yeah. and being a father and ultimately being a husband and what that looked like. I just right. didn't know what to do. Right. And because I didn't know what to do, I, I there was a lot of people who. Um, were in my life at the time that were very vocal on their opinions towards me and stuff like that angered me more because I mean you have no idea where I'm coming from you have no idea what I've gone through everything I've revealed to you in the past 30 minutes they had no clue right they had no clue that my dad was gone they had no clue that uh, I had you know all these all these things took place in my life and these were just kind of the 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 effects of that and so um it was rough man our relationship was it was so bitter brother so Ultimately, I ended up, you know, sticking to music, um, and music was really my only avenue, my only release that I had. And again, it was something I took very seriously. Um, and ultimately, it uh, it led me to a position to where I was touring 
um, professionally. You right. know, I was uh, in bands that were established. I was I was in a band specifically that that was getting ready to take off and, and, and right. be this next big thing. Right. Um, and we were the rock stars of, of our of, of our scene and kind of had the look. We had everything going for us, man. So I was like, man, finally, like I I did something right. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I finally did it. Um, and ultimately, at this time, where this is 2013. So we're we've been together since two thousand seven or eight. So wow. at that time, what I don't know, roughly like wow, uh, six years. seven years. Oh yeah, uh, at that time. Yeah, you know. So um, that's and, crazy. Again, I'm, just, I'm freaking because two thousand seven was when me and Melissa got married. Oh so yeah, I'm just like wow, that was <laughs> yeah. Because we met in two thousand seven, and Dominic was born in two thousand eight. So wow. that's how I know. Wow. Um, but yeah, so ultimately, again, we just um. I ended up touring, doing this thing. Um, again, had nothing to show at home. We were homeless still, right. living at friends' houses with kids. Wow. Um, uh, I didn't know how to be a dad, but I knew how to be a musician. So right. I, for for me, it was like, let me let me be good at that, right. and hopefully out of that, something will come financially, right. whatever that is, right, you know. Right. And so I put all my energy because it was the only thing I was good at, and so um, ended up doing that. Um, long story short, man, ended up on tour with this band called Dead Like You, and um, we were pretty successful, man, and we're really on, on the verge to doing something really big, and um, unbeknownst to me, I have this encounter in Jacksonville, Florida in 2013, mm -hmm. um, and again, at this point, my, my life is crap, you know, uh, me and Lavana, my wife now, are not even together, we're, again, we're sleeping in, in the same apartment, Right. Strictly because I have nowhere else to sleep. Right. And, you know, she's moved on. She's, I find out she's in an affair. Um, it, our life was literally just like hell. It was right. just a mess, a, a, like a mess, man. Right. And so I was, I, I didn't realize all those years of sweeping my relationship with her under the rug caught up to me. And so I remember being in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm on tour. My best friends were killing it. Right. I got, Man, honey's at the hotel, like right. just living the life, bro. I got right. people wanting to be me at people, you know. It's just one of those things where it was like, I, I did it. I, I finally yeah. did something with my life. I had nothing to show for it, right. but I did it. Right. So come come to this day in Jacksonville, Florida. We, we play this show. This show ends up going horribly for some reason. Right. Ended up not getting paid, and I think something triggered me to where I was, it just it hurt. Like I was yeah. just like, no, like I hate failure. Like I absolutely, as a man, yeah. At this point in my life hated failure to the point to where it angered me like I was enraged like no I'm not supposed to fail right so when I felt like I failed it led me to you know obviously do things that were very toxic in my life and so this night I felt that and I remember going uh to the beach probably like midnight I so we long story short we didn't get paid I don't, I don't remember if promoter took off with the money or something like that right and uh, I remember just being really enraged and it was a big chunk of money because that money was supposed to fuel the rest of the tour right and um ended up being like one of those things where it's like man i don't know if we're gonna be able to do the rest of the tour and i was like nah f that man we're gonna do it da, da, da. I'm, I'm just i'm just prideful at this point um so the guys go to the hotel we go to hit got a hotel that night on the beach guys go to the hotel and i'm like you know what? i'm gonna go to the beach and i'm just gonna it's midnight at the time right and it's probably one of the most beautiful things that ever happened in my life so i get to the beach it's about midnight you can't see the water because it's so dark outside. Right, right. All you can see, all you can see is the sand. Because in Jacksonville, specifically the beach we were at, I don't remember which one it was, um, but it's like white sand, like literally like just white sand. Right, it was right. beautiful, yeah. and I was like, man, I've never seen a beach like this. It's so cool. So I'm on the beach, and something inside of me was like, 
I'm gonna pray. Don't even know what that looks like. Right. I just know that I'm supposed to talk to somebody that you know at this point it could be a genie for me right but in my heart i was there was so much emptiness and so much confusion and so much hurt uh, uh, as a man that i was just like i'm gonna pray yeah. i don't know what that looks i don't even know what that means right but i remember being so frustrated to the point to whoever i'm praying to you know i, I remember saying god but i said god uh i'm so confused right now I said, and I'm crying at this point on the right. beach by myself. There's no one around me. And I said, I had, I, I, I have everything I thought I wanted. Like literally, like all I wanted to do was be successful in music. Right. And like, I'm here and none of this means anything to me right now. And I'm afraid to admit that to people, but I'm admitting that to you, whoever you are. Right. And I said, if you're real, please like tell me something. I, my relationship at home is garbage i have nothing to show at this point i went straight from the studio to tour i hadn't seen my kids right. um i just wasn't the dad and the father that you would assume that i needed to be you know uh, to be relevant and and i was just like yo like what do i do and i'll never forget this moment man and i literally had heard and, and i know this is very very rare i'm very i'm very sensitive when i say this story is that i heard a voice that sounded like soft thunder so it was soft right. to where it was intimate, right, for me to hear. Right. But it was thunderous in its its effectiveness and when it when it landed on me. Right. And it, I could, that's, it just felt like my bones shook, right? Wow. And I literally froze and it just said, go home. That's all it said. It just said, go home, right? And I'm like freaking out because this is like... Again, it was just real. Like it was right. so supernatural. And I didn't, again, don't know anything about supernatural, don't know anything about church, don't know anything about Holy Ghost, nothing. Right. This was just like I just had a moment, midnight on the beach. You heard I'm voice. probably drunk. I'm probably high. Yeah. And and I heard it. And yeah. I and it's, it's not so much I heard it like I heard it audibly, but I heard it in me. Like it was just it 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 was so loud. Like it just it just it, it was weird. It resonated yeah, yeah. in my body. And, and I was like, what the heck was that? Right. And it said, go home. Right. And so the it was so, such a strong feeling that I remember going to the guy. You're talking about the most stubborn musician that's ever lived. I was stubborn, bro. Again, right. this is the only thing I've been successful at. Right. And I refused to let it go. Right. I refused to give it up. Right. I, I was like, no, this is the one thing that's working for me. I'm not giving this up. That voice, when it spoke, immediately I knew I had to give this up. Right. And I was okay with it. I don't know what it was at the time. Wow. Obviously, we'll get to I knew what it was now. But yeah. So I remember going back to the hotel and I remember telling the guys, like, yo, I'm done. And they're like, yo, chill yeah. out, bro. Hey, we had one bad night, man. Yeah. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. I remember they were on the phone with our manager, like, and they're, they're trying to get stuff squared away, you know? Right. And I was like, no, dude, like, I. Um, I didn't know how to explain it. Like I, just, I, and I didn't say anything. I was just like, I'm done. Like I just, I need to right. go home. Right. And so I think we played one more show the next day, which was in um, Atlanta, Georgia. So we were in Jacksonville, Florida. Drove up to Atlanta, Georgia, and I think I drove home or flew home. I can't even remember, man. Um, ended up coming home. I came home to San Antonio, and um, came home to. You know, my girlfriend at the time, my baby mom at the time, and yeah. um, my wife now, but and the kids, and was just like, "All right, what do I do?" You know, yeah. and I, I don't know. Again, I'm just I'm going into nothing. I'm walking into a black room basically, yeah. and I'm like, "What do I do?" And then I think I was there. This is September. Uh, uh, this is August. 
ish July August right um, for the next two three weeks ended up being like a living hell um, I, I get home I find out she's like completely in another affair with another guy right I catch her at work right because we're, we're sharing a vehicle at the time and right. um, I catch her at work I remember driving to the work I had the kids in the car right they saw what I saw right and they're asking like daddy who's that and I was like I'm trying to figure this shit out so I, <laughs> I'm losing my mind excuse right. my language I'm just I'm just being real you know yeah and um um so I, I I it's just blew up everything that I had done to my now wife then um completely it it bit me in the in the butt yeah. you know and I got a taste of my own medicine yeah. every time I'd hurt her every time I'd um betrayed her and though we weren't married so right right spiritually speaking we weren't uh, bound to each other in right. any in any type of um I guess uh, what's the word like covenant way um, <laughs> still her as a person I hurt her a lot you know there was things I did to her that uh, pff, the, <laughs> I, it was just wild right yeah. and 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 I got to taste my own medicine that day and um, I didn't like the way he tasted and for the next week or two we were just at each other's throats I mean like I remember her punching the mirrors out in the car Wow. Um, I remember it was just it was a wild like two I mean we just were fighting like physically I remember I never physically punched her right. but I remember um, being I remember the kids being in their diapers and we were beefing about something I'm at the front door and she starts wailing on my face oh wow like just punching me and I'm just taking it wow. and my head's bouncing out the wall I just remember just like it hurt yeah but she you know my wife she's not yeah She's she's little, but she's oh, yeah. fierce. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I know her. <laughs> yeah, and girl can hit. Yeah, and so um, she's never been afraid to fight. So uh, when it came, when I came on the receiving end of that, I remember just being like, "You where am I at, dude? Like, yeah, my kids are screaming. Lavana's punching me in the face and just going off, and I'm just taking the hits, pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I leave. Uh, that I remember that night, I left. You know all punched up and I said I'm gonna kill myself I said that's it I'm right. done like I finally had it right. I'm done so I grab a knife I go um, I go I, I go for a walk right yeah. you know down the road and we live in the hood we live in the east side of San Antonio which yeah. is like I mean it's his hood. His hood bro <laughs> it's as hood as he gets Martin yeah. Luther King New Braunfels all that area Yeah. so um, uh, rewind about a week we had so this is that's the second fight we had Right. That that kind of turned into that altercation. The one before that, I did the same thing. I took off, took off for a walk. Um, this guy, I'm walking down the street in front of this you know, corner store, and this guy in the hood was like, "Yo, you got a dollar?" And obviously, I just had a fight with my girl. Like, right. I'm not in the mood to be talked to. Right, right. I ain't no Christian at this time. Right. I, ain't, I ain't about giving. And if I'm giving, it's something you ain't ready for. Yeah. And I was like, Nah, man, I ain't got no dollar. And at the time, again, I'm I'm coming from a band that's like. You had to look your best. So yeah. I'm, I'm still in my leather jacket, got my little chain on, yeah. got my little grill. Like, I'm looking fly. Yeah. And he was like, man, that's wild. You can afford that uh, leather jacket, but you can't give me a dollar. And I just snapped. Yeah. I snap on this fool. Like, yeah. I just, like, we go at it. Grab him, and I just, like, start pop, pop, knocked him out. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, completely, all the anger of those weeks is he got it, right? right? Fast forward to the, the fight I was saying about where she's punching me in the face. Yeah. Um, I take a knife. I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to kill myself. Like, right. I am completely done with this life. Right. At all. Don't give a rib about the kids. Don't give a rib about you. you obviously, you don't give a rib about me. Yeah. I'm out of here. And so, I remember getting the knife and walking down the same street. Right? 
and I'm contemplating all these things in my head. Right. From a distance, I see three guys coming my way. And you're in the hood, people walk, whatever. Yeah. As soon as I pass these guys, I hear, that's that fool right there. <laughs> and immediately I snap and I was like, dang, that's the guy that I got in a fight with last week. Right. Now he has his two homies with him. Yeah. I'm done. Right. I turn around, sure enough, they're sprinting at me. And I got jumped. Like I got my butt whooped. Right. Like I've I've been I grew up I was after my after my father, I was very aggressive. Grew up, I was fighting a lot in high school. Right. I love to fight. Fighting's fun for me. Yeah. Um, but I knew in this moment, like I'm screwed. Right. And I have a knife in my pocket. Right. So I was like, if they find that, I'm really done. So right. I remember throwing the knife over the bridge. There was a bridge we were crossing, and I just I took it. I took yeah. it, and I was like, I'm gonna die here because I they kicked me in the stomach. I lost my air. Like I literally like it's the worst feeling ever to get jumped. Right. You have no control. Like there's nothing. Right. You cannot outpower three men. Right. You know. <laughs> and so um. Something inside me, man, kind of like rejuvenated. Yeah. And I remember being on the floor thinking I'm going to die. And then they had this burst of energy that just like, like it was, I felt like I turned into the Hulk for a second and I yeah. was able to create separation and I just sprinted. Right. Like, and at this time I was very much in shape. I was running like every day. I used to love to run. Yeah. Um, and I sprinted out of there. Like I literally just boom, took off, ran through the wooded area um, and ended up back at the apartment where, where, where uh, Lavana was. And I yeah. remember like, getting to the door and completely just like like you just ran a marathon yeah and my body just fell limp and I fell in the door and I think that's what knocked the door to where they heard someone at the door uh -huh. her friends opened the door she started screaming because I'm all I'm bleeding I'm torn up right they call the ambulance anyway so all that to say uh, those were my weeks of from hearing go home and knowing that that moment was so real and then going to all this. Right. So a week after I get jumped, I don't want to say a week, I think I want to say it was a couple of days, the friend finally tells us, like, that she's, because she's letting my wife and kids stay there. Right. Um, I say wife because we're married now, but yeah. we weren't married then. Um, she's letting us stay there, and uh, she's like, hey, um, I know y'all going through y'all stuff and whatever, but... I'm attending this church and I'm, I'm getting baptized this Sunday. Oh, wow. Like, would y'all mind coming to, like, support me? Right. And obviously, it's like, yo, you're letting us kick it here. You're not, you know, I think we're maybe paying rent. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, we got you. We'll be there. Yeah. We'll put all this aside right. and we'll show up. Right. And so we showed up and it absolutely, um, it was a setup. So I remember, uh, well, Okay, I keep doing these rewind episodes, but rewind to like a few days before that. Right. I find out about the affair um, and I'm at her work, right? And I remember being in the car and she's texting me at this time. Right. And she's telling me how done we are and how in love she is and all this weird stuff. Right. And I start losing it. I right. start punching windows out in the car. Like right. I'm losing it. And then that voice that I heard on the beach comes again. Forgive her. That's all I heard. Wow. Literally shook me to my bones and everything right. stopped. She came to the car and she, I mean, she went off on me. Just you this, you're that, you're a loser, all this stuff, man. Right. And at the end of it, I was like, man, I forgive you and I love you. Wow. And I don't know what the hell I was saying, bro. Wow. But I just knew that that voice came to me again and I had to obey what it said. It was so weird, man. Yeah. So again, about a week later, uh, we end up at a friend's baptism and we get to the church and, um, Immediately, I knew. I just felt the presence, right? And I was like, "This is it." Yeah. This was the missing puzzle. The the thing that's been speaking to me that I've heard twice now. Yeah. Is here, and I'm, and it's all happening so fast in my head. Like, yo, yeah. this is real. Like, 
I just felt like like you know like the climax of a movie just happened. Yeah. It all makes sense. Like the 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 ending with the twist. Like oh snap. Yeah. It was God the whole time, and so it was just rowdy, man. And and I I wish we could say that I gave my life to Jesus. That they know it ended up being like about another month or two of like coming semi um, right. continuously. Um, missing some Sundays because obviously we're fighting and stuff. Right. Um, but ultimately October 16th, 2013, which is almost exactly a month after I had got home from tour, right. um, I, we gave our lives to Jesus. And it was something that was so beautiful, bro, because it was, it was very unique. We still weren't on the same page. We agreed to start to keep attending church for the sake of, like, something's here that we probably need. And we've right. tried everything else. We've extinguished everything else out in our lives. Right. What could hurt, right? And again, I, then in the back of my mind are these voices that I've heard that, that have led me there. So October 16, 2013, I'll never forget it. Um, we're sitting in church and I actually have the picture. I'll show you. I don't know if, if, if you can post this online. If you send it to me, I can. Uh, for like, for like wherever y'all promote the podcast. Yeah, yeah for sure. But for I'll sure. show you this picture. It's one of my favorite pictures that I, I've ever, I've ever had. And before I show you, uh, October 16, 2013. Uh -huh. And we're, we're in a sermon that is called toxic or toxicity. I, I think it was, I can't remember. It might've been toxic. And um, I remember the pastor walking around with the mirror, right? And he's walking around towards everybody and starts talking about image and and all this stuff and and identity right. and and, it, dude, we, and we were just like broken, like straight up. Not we weren't. What's the word? We weren't manipulated into like our emotional, our emotions kind of driving. Right. There was something seriously real going on with the Holy Spirit right, that right. I just can't, we can't explain. Right. And I remember us, again, we're not in agreements at all, but I remember sitting there and they do the kind of the count of thing. Hey, at the count of three, bow your head to the count of three. Man, if you want to come up and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it. Right. Was that me? No. Oh. <laughs> Cops here. alert. I don't know how that happened. Later. Oh, well. Um, and so I remember him counting one, Jesus loves you. He died for you. What's the enemy, bro? He didn't want me to say this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually weird. You know what? I'm gonna pause it right here. Yeah, that's see fine. If we can figure out what's going on, but yeah. we'll be right back after this little pause, and we'll get we'll continue with the story. Go for it, bro. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Rob T from the What's on My Mind podcast. I'm here to tell you about a great podcast where we talk about whatever comes to our mind every single week. Topics range from religion, life, politics, or even music. We interview great guests and introduce you to the most interesting people. So tune in every Thursday to a new episode on your favorite podcast streaming platform and check out just what's on my mind. back i think we finally fixed the issue don't know what it was exactly but uh sorry about that everyone so you were just telling us a story about when you basically right when you're about to get saved right yes <laughs> <laughs> I, was that where that song yes, yeah, yeah you yeah. were talking about being at the church um oh yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i remember uh so we're we're in we're in service october 16 2013 and uh, he says, one, Jesus loves you, died for you, um, two, something, something. And in, at this point in my head, we're sitting next to each other in church, obviously. Right. And I'm like, and I'm thinking in my head, if she gets up, 
or not, I'm still going. Right. I was right, like, right. I need this. Right. Like, I just knew in my heart, I need this. And so I was like, I'm going. So he says three. By the time I look up, she's already down the aisle. Wow. Like, she, we were thinking the exact same thing without communicating it. Right, right. And we both ended up at the altar and just, like, weeping, man, and, like, broken for the Lord. And it was just amazing, man. I remember praying and feeling so light for the first time since my, like, early, early childhood years of, like, you know, recognizing pain and stuff right, like that. Right. I remember just feeling just, like, so light. And, like, the weight of the world just came off my shoulders in that moment. And we both gave our lives to Jesus that day, and we really never looked back. Um, it was just one of those things that, like, it, it was so surreal, man. I, I really, I hope that one day I could write a book about it because it was, like, there's so much more that I can get into, like, detail that was, like, just mind-blowing things of how good and amazing God is, how patient and how caring and how compassionate he is, right? Right. And, 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 says, and the Bible says that, uh, that, that, through his kindness, people find repentance. And so, right. um, and we, we experienced that to the fullness. People who didn't even know who he was, right. didn't acknowledge him in any way, ha are now in the midst of his presence, fully engulfed with the decision to make. Do I follow him or not? And we right. followed him. And we, we, we went cold turkey, man. We cut everybody off. Wow. Yeah, friends. I left the band like permanently i was like yo i'm done with music right and you know i became the jesus freak guy it was just like right. all, all my homies obviously everyone knew me for music and i right. was just like what do you mean you're doing music that's all you got dog i was like not no more yeah all i got is jesus <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but <coughs> excuse me i choked up <laughs> you got a little too excited there. <laughs> i'm back yeah no but i was i was stoked man like yeah. it just felt for the first time in my life, I felt free. Yeah. I felt full. I right. felt purpose. And it was just like, yo. But, you know, you become the Jesus free guy. You're crazy for him. Because right, right. it's all you know. And you know it's real. Yeah. And there's no way to put it into words how it feels and what it's like to be know that, that all of your crap has been paid for. Right. Every debt that you owe. It's just like, it was just so surreal, bro. And so we gave our lives to Jesus, man. And, and, and we didn't look back. Cut everyone off cold turkey. I quit the band. I quit the music industry in full. Like, I was right. like, I'm done. And right. I'm okay with it. Right. You know? And our lives weren't perfect at all post getting safe. But course, um, definitely, there was just so much more um, perspective. And, and it was it just it was just a whole new outlook. That's and awesome. uh, it was amazing, bro. It was That's absolutely awesome. amazing, man. So, so let's fast forward a little bit because, man, I know we could go on and on yeah, about yeah, the yeah. Whole, whole journey. But let, let, me, let me ask you this specific question. When it comes to giving your life to Christ and then, of course to now i'm sure there had to be a lot of healing and that you're probably still going through right absolutely um but between that time and now just kind of touch on some of the key points of what god himself through his holy spirit or whatever yeah. has taught you about being a man mm -hmm. you know what i mean because yeah. let's be real those of us and this isn't a knock on anybody that's not quote unquote a christian but there are people out there who don't have that godly example are Absolutely. not following christ and don't know really who to look for to become that man <laughs> share your experience about how it is to look to god about becoming the man <clears throat> that he wants us to be it was a journey man it was rough because uh immediately giving your life to christ you under you you come to learn real quick that submission not only to god but to just earthly authorities you right. know when you talk about pastors and leaders that are over you becomes very like critical 
And so, um, obviously, for someone who has dad issues or right. parental issues at this point, right. um, that was not easy. Yeah. It was not easy for me to, to completely. I would say I, I, I got real good at submitting to a point. Right. Um, but then when it got like when you really wanted to know about my life and right. you know kind of lean in to, to understand me, I, I was. I was, I was, I was Sorry about that. Y'all already know we got dogs. Everybody, so it's not. It's not. Uncommon. I would. Co- I would completely close myself off, and right. so I had to learn over the years, like to be able to open up to people and stuff like that. And um, but ultimately, man, um, God's been very patient with me and very caring um, of my heart and how how uh, fragile it was, obviously from the hurt in the past. But um, I learned. I had to learn real quick that um, I, I think that the justification of of pain. Post giving your life to Christ, right, really can't be your crutch anymore. Right, and not saying that the pain doesn't exist; it obviously does. And and and, but it's one of those things. Like, do I believe you as the healer of healers? Like, are you literally like going to do that in my life? Do I believe? Do I have faith enough to know that you can do that for me? Right. And 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 maybe not a physically healing, but like emotional or whatever it may be. You know, do I have faith enough to believe that that you can do that for me? Right. And so I had to walk through those seasons of like, do I trust? Do I really trust God? Right. Um, and it was tough, man. Um, but at the end of the day, I think for me, it was more of like, I, I, I understood that everyone has a standard, right? Right. Um, people in gyms that work out have mm-hmm. standards. Mm-hmm. Um, some are good, some are bad. Right. When it comes to being a man in, in our in our society, there are so many standards out there. Right. right? There's so many levels of, well. Well, I was raised on this. There's so many levels of well, well, my dad taught me this, or I learned it this way. Right. And I guess we can call them tradition, right? Yeah, yeah. There's so many levels levels of traditional standards that are like uh, toxic for me. You know, yeah. what I'm what I'm so grateful for is that in coming to Christ was like I I learned real quick that in becoming a man, a godly man is the absolute standard of standards, right? Mm-hmm. So. Because in me becoming a godly man, I have now, I'm supposed to be killing multiple birds with one stone, right? So in me pursuing Christ, I'm going to be a, a better husband. In me pursuing right. a Christ, I'm going to be a better father, a right. better leader, uh, better financially, better physically. All these things. Why? Because God has set a standard for me right. that uh, that in, in his covenant with me, again, covenants, I think, and we learned, it was funny, we listened to a sermon on the way over here. Um they're not meant to make us happy. They're meant to um, keep us in line, keep us safe yeah. from you know what God has for us. And so, um, for, so for me, the covenant between myself and God and, and becoming a man, knowing that He became my standard, um, really kind of set the bar for me of like, okay, this is what I go to. But right. what's what's awesome about that is it's the standard of standards. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, God knows you're gonna fail, right? And so. As a man, I, I began to loosen the chains, or I could say God began to loosen the chains of failure off of me, little by little. Right. That's probably my biggest thing. It was like I was really hard on myself, still am to an extent, yeah. of on, on failure. And so, but I had to understand real quick that that meant I was going to fail a lot, and right. God knew that. Right. That doesn't mean I changed the standard. Right. At right, all. Right, right. If, if anything, the standard is it's, it's never going to change. Right. right. But that just means I, I I need to the righteous man falls seven times right it says in Proverbs and he gets up eight and so it's like I need to continue to aim for this standard right. that seems impossible it's it, it, it's it's God he's 
perfect. Yeah. We are not. Right. You know, so I'm going to fail. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean I aim. I don't, I don't, I don't continue to aim for perfection. I right. still do, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I learned real quick, man, and, and give my life to Christ that, you know, this is the standard. And and this is what I need to aim for, and so um, it's been it's been a journey. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. So uh, I'm gonna fast forward again because yeah. we want to get to the, the the third part of of Daniel's questions. And again, I apologize that he wasn't <laughs> able to make it today. Um, but the one thing he d- he definitely wanted to make sure you you let our our listeners know mm-hmm. is uh, what it's like being this man of faith in the music industry that you are in. So just so everybody knows out there, he uh, Biggie is the lead singer of a band called Relent. Uh, it's a new metal band. They've been around for a while, but just now are really starting to gain some steam in the mainstream. Yeah. Um, you guys have been on like Octane on Sirius XM. And sure. I mean, you guys are definitely getting out there. But also recently, like within the last year, you also became the part of a very famous new metal band from back in the 90s called Il Nino. Yeah. And the difference between the two bands, of course, is like technically one of them, your lyrics and everything are based on God. And, mm-hmm. you know, I one could say it's a Christian band, although I know you, yeah, know, you sure. don't want to be known as that because you guys are just, y'all are a metal band, y'all are a rock band, right? Yeah. Um, but Il Nino is very much the opposite. Yeah. So in that, share a little bit of what the experience is like now being a man of faith, mm-hmm. being that you are now the standard bearer, right? You gotta, yeah. you gotta carry Christ wherever you go. How do you accomplish that in this industry, especially when you're around that rock star lifestyle of you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like they like to say all the yeah. time? Yeah, what's that like? Um, I guess it's all perspective. Because for me, my perspective was never there was never there's never any difference from what I do with El Nino uh-huh. to me going to work at. I don't know, Papa John's where I was working at, or right. an office. Right. You know, um, I think maybe maybe on the musical side, I guess the whole you know you being open to things of like sexual nature, right? Drugs. I guess, I guess that avenue's there, but I mean, for it's everywhere. I've true. I remember I remember I, I remember dealing drugs out of Jack in the Box. I remember right. slanging weed like out of the drive-through window. Right. I right. remember drinking on the like I, I just so for me there's not much of a difference. So right. I, I I take it as everything. So it's it's one of those things like do everything you do as you're doing it to the Lord. And so right. I, I take that I take that scripture really literally and very seriously to yeah. where it's like man, it's work for me. Yeah. You know um, I'm a musician at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what pays my bills, right? And I've been provided with an amazing opportunity to not only, um, you know, low key live my, live a dream out, yeah. Um, but but to be around, you know, to be around, uh, uh, to be a light, you yeah. know, for people and and um, in regards to how it's it has it's tough, like yeah. anything else, it's tough going to work, yeah. You know, for for being honest, like most of us Christians don't work in Christian facilities. No, we we go to secular jobs. Yeah, that's true. We go to secular jobs all day. You know what I'm saying? We're managers here and shift leads here. And, and, and so it's like, just as you know, I, that's why I really love that scripture to do everything as you're doing it to the Lord. Yeah. Um, because I take that literally and, and I, I, I I do that. I play like I'm playing for him. Um, I dress like I'm dressing for him. I, I, I just, I live like I'm living for him. And in that, you know, uh, already has sprouted some really cool conversations with people awesome. in 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 the music industry because they know where I come from. Yeah, and and I'm not ashamed of that at all. Right. You know, and so people know what I am and who I am, and it's cool. Yeah. Um. Again, it has its it has its difficulties. Obviously, you're outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Of course. Obviously, you know it, it's it it is what it is, man. And and um, 
But I, I'm 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 very much one of those guys, and again, it could be a conviction thing. But I'm very much one of those things. Like, there's not enough of us in the mainstream. Yeah, there's not enough people repping like that. Right. In any mainstream market, much less the right. music industry. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think naturally we kind of, um, veer away from those things because like, oh, they're 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 worldly things, and right. it's just like we're supposed to be the we're supposed to be in those places we're supposed to be there you yeah. know and again everyone's conviction is, is going to run different you know obviously right. people that struggle with certain things oh, probably not good for you to hang out in a bar of course. um um but you know that being said I, again I, I i've i've reached a lot of really cool opportunities with people in in this walk and and again i'm just i'm doing all that i can to be right again am i perfect heck no yeah um but I do what I got to do, man. And it, ha- it has just as much challenges as going to work. You know, right. I know for Daniel, he's, he's, what is he? Uh, he owns the gym, he right? Owns the gym. That's where he's and at so right I'm, now. I'm sure he has difficulty. Well, tonight was a difficulty for him. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, exactly. so there, every, everything you do is going to have difficulties. And it's yeah. just how I respond. It says everything about me as a man of God. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it's fun, man. It, awesome. it really, it really is cool, dude. I, I, I look forward to, um, this sounds really weird, but I, I, I look forward to being a friend of sinners. Yeah. And myself included, obviously. I'm not perfect, yeah. but I'm aiming to be sinless in my life. Right. Um, and that's the constant goal, you right. know. But I think something I think we've missed on is that to be a friend of sinners is, 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 is one of the caps that we wear. Some of us wear it more than others, right. you know. Um, but I think not being afraid to wear that cap and to wear it proudly to know that that's it's okay to do that you yeah, know jesus, sure. jesus was that you know it's just obviously we don't conform and we don't <coughs> we don't we don't lower our standard you know right. but yeah i love it man I, awesome. I love what i do that is awesome man uh i think you've uh and you've touched on so many subjects that i think are really gonna speak to a lot of people that are listening right now True. And, and, the, and the cool thing is, is that you covered almost all aspects of manhood from from the teenage child from child teenage to yeah. adulthood you know and i think there's a lot of us that can relate with your story yeah. i know as you were saying as you were talking about a lot of those experiences that you had i could definitely relate to a lot sure. of what you said as well um so yeah man i, I really do appreciate you sharing your story i sure appreciate did. you uh talking about all that stuff the fact that you're so transparent and open about it is mm-hmm. awesome I think that's great uh, to be able to be an open book like that. So before we uh, end the end this discussion, I want to go ahead and give you an opportunity now. Um, talking about what you're doing, let's start with the obvious because starting tomorrow you're off on the road, yeah. uh, and getting ready for this uh, tour coming up with mm-hmm. El Nino. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, tomorrow I fly out to Florida to wrap up the album for El Nino. Um, which I get to be on, which is super cool. Because when I joined the band, they were already like more than halfway done with the album. Right. And so for them to entrust me with a piece of that is like super cool, man. Right. And so I'm really honored to do that. Um, but I'll be there for a couple of days. Then I come home for a couple of days. And then a couple of days after that, I'm gone for good. Yeah. Uh, I leave March 7th to begin rehearsals for the tour. Right. Um, and then the first day of the tour is March 13th um, in San Antonio. Yeah. Kicks off in San Antonio. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm stoked. And you'll be gone till April, right? Till April 14th or something like that, a little bit over a month. You'll, you'll be back in time for my birthday party. So that's When's your birthday? Uh, April 15th. Yeah, I should honestly probably be getting into town. Yeah. Like, and we're gonna have that '90s. You can pick me up from the airport. I pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually flying. I I usually fly out of Austin or yeah. into Austin. So. Oh, cool, cool, yeah. cool. 
Awesome, man. All right, so now let's talk a little bit about Relent. Yeah. Uh, you guys finished a tour in January, mm-hmm. right? And it was a Texas tour. Yeah. Uh, I was My wife and I were both privileged to be at a couple of those shows. For sure. You guys killed it. It was awesome. Um, where's Relent at now? I know it's kind of got to be on hold a little bit because you're going to be doing the El Nino thing, but, but where are y'all at now? Um, It's on hold as far as maybe physical appearances, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes, which is super cool, man. Um. We are about to release a music video for our self-titled track, Heavy. Awesome. Um, that's going to be with a whole bunch of backing, with a whole campaign coming out with this um, that we're really stoked. It's, I, I think we're announcing it this week here in a few days, but uh, cool. it uh, comes well, out March 11th. It's heavy content, no no pun intended, but it is very really heavy, heavy content, content yeah. man. And so to get the people that are backing it, are like it's going to be super dope. So we'll announce that pretty soon. So we got that. We'll ride that for a little bit. Um, currently booking some dates. We got some festival announcements that are about to come off that are going to be mind blowing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome. And it's just, it's it's going to be a good year, man. And awesome. then uh, we're 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 already writing for the next record. Um, we're just having that on you know in our back pocket and ready awesome. to go hit the studio hard with that. Hopefully this summer. And um, yeah, dude, there's just that's just, awesome. We got a busy schedule, man. Yeah. And so it's, your latest album with the rent is called Heavy. Yeah. It was released in October. Word. Um, it's been doing pretty good uh, mm-hmm. since then. Uh, definitely getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, um, and and it's a great album. I can speak, you know, from personal experience because I listen to it every day. I'm not kidding. I don't just say that because Mickey's here. I really do. Love that <laughs> album. Um, Heavy is one heck of a song. I can't wait for that video to come out. The content is just. My mind was blown when when you told me that it was about your yeah. wife and her and her her struggles and everything. And I yeah. Was just like, wow, that's. That's insane. It was it was wild, man. Yeah. So uh, so if you guys have never heard of Relent, you need to go check them out. You can find them on Spotify. You can find them on uh, I- iTunes. Pretty much anywhere you get your music streamed or anything like that, you can find them. You can also find them online. Uh, what's the uh, website? Relentband.com. Relentband.com. If you want to yeah. get a physical copy of the CD, plus I know you guys got all kinds of merch, yeah, T-shirts and posters and all that stuff. So definitely go and check them out. I promise you, you will not be sorry. Great music, great positive message. I mean, it is insane. Also, check out Il Nino's music. They've been around, like I said, since the 90s. They've got great music as well. Um, I'll definitely be looking forward to this new album coming out with, with you on it as well. Thanks, and, in, and in Il Nino, you do uh, percussion and backing vocals, right? Yes, sir. So you kind of more in the back than you are with Relent. Yeah, so for this sure, this is kind of taking a break, right? <laughs> it is, but it isn't, man. I'm so hard on myself. Like, every Everything has to be perfect, every note. So it's just like... yeah. Yeah, it is, but it is. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That's cool. So you got a lot of great things coming up. 2022 is going to be one heck of a year. It's going to be uh, awesome, dude. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Miggy, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to come and be on the show. Um, and, I mean, we really do appreciate it. Again, sure, man. I, I know Daniel wanted to be here, so keep him in prayer. I'm sure he's kind of pissed right now because he couldn't be here. <laughs> he's probably hitting the bench press real hard right there. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I love that guy, man. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Greatly appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have you again. Uh, I know Daniel's got a lot of plans for future shows. I yeah, think, dude. I think one of them he wants to have, like, where, where couples come on and we oh, kind of get that perspective from husband and wife, you know. So Just have some boxing gloves ready. I'll tell yeah, you right. that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Remember, 
You can always contact us on shieldbearerspodcast at gmail.com. That's shieldbearerspodcast at gmail.com for any questions. If you have any kind of comments or show ideas, please, please just send that to us as well. If you are in the local area, you can always go and visit Daniel at Metroflex Gym. He's always there doing his Metroflex thing. And uh, yeah, and just any questions you have, just hit us up. So until next week, we thank you guys so much for tuning in. Miggy, thank you again for coming. Thank you guys Do for having me, man. It. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye.